on the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode contains content about drug taking and possession of drugs. Today on the Indo Daily, 24 hour party people, the day Ireland legalised drugs. Just what is it that you want to do? We want to get loaded and we want to have a good time. Yep, please don't adjust your sets because you did hear me right. Ireland once legalised a host of drugs. Okay, so it was only for 24 hours while some drug laws got tangled up in a legal high loophole. But while our lawmakers panicked, others made the most of it. Well, some of the most disorienting, not to mention unhealthy drugs, are now legal in Ireland. But it does mean that for a 24-hour period, it's completely legal to smoke crystal meth, to take as many uh, ketamine and ecstasy pills as you want. Now, online reaction to all of this has been overwhelming. Some compared it to the 2013 movie, The Purge, in which the government sanctions all criminal activity for an annual 12-hour period. At the siren, all emergency services will be suspended for 12 hours. Your government thanks you for your participation. I'm Siobhan McGuire and on today's episode I'm joined by Kevin Doyle, Media House Ireland's Group Head of News, to bring us up to speed on what happened in 2015. So strap in, because it was quite the trip. Kevin, let's talk about Ireland in the noughties. You could argue the huge low of the global recession of 2008 was in part mildly offset by this temporary high in 2015. See what I did there, Kevin? I'm hoping that's not going to be a trend through the whole podcast. This is a very simple story in that can be summarised in a singular headline. And it was summarised in headlines around the world, Siobhan. At the same time, what's behind it is a little bit more complex. So it probably goes back to a period where head shops started popping up all over Ireland. And people remember that phenomenon. It went on for a few years. We don't see them anymore. Talbot Street, where we are here, was quite famous for it. Capel Street, a lot of those places in Dublin. But they were also popping up in rural towns, the Mullingars, the Athlones, um, places in Galway, things like that. It's estimated that there are over a hundred of these alternative lifestyle stores now scattered throughout the country. And there is growing concern among parents and the medical profession who say regulation of this sector is long overdue. 
So they had become kind of a commonplace on the high street at a time when, as you mentioned, the uh, recession was in full flow. And so lots of shops were closing. So while other things were closing down, these head shops were opening up and they were basically selling drugs that were new to the market, that the law is often slow to catch up with these things. And so the law didn't really know what they were. Therefore, they weren't really banned and head shops were able to sell them. And that was the background to what happened. These are the legal highs, Kevin. And these head shops were really, really in demand. I mean, you would have queues of people um, on the very streets you mentioned and up around off Grafton Street waiting for these head shops to open so they could go in and buy these, these what were perceived as legal. But nobody really knew what was in any of these substances. In fact, I remember some wrapping um, of of some of these items uh, being flagged in a newspaper at the time. Not fit for human consumption was written in big wording on this particular tablet that was being sold. Among them is spice gold, a herbal smoking mixture that according to the European Drugs Agency contains an active ingredient in marijuana which is very potent at low doses. It has been banned in the United States and several European countries including the UK. Yeah, and they were being sold very often as bat salts and they had strange names like White Columba, Rush. Things that didn't really mean anything and no one really knew what was in a lot of these. And it became kind of a big issue around 2010 at first, 2009, 2010. And Mary Harney was then the health minister, went on a big push to try and ban these and to basically add all these lists. So add them to lists where you had drugs that we had known about for decades, the cannabises, the cocaines, the ecstasies, things like that. Um, she wanted to ban them, put the shops out of business. And you're right, it, it was a weird loophole in that these things were not for human consumption, but they weren't illegal to sell. So if you, if I sold you a bag of white Columbia, Columbia uh, Siobhan, what you do with it afterwards was entirely up to you. It was a problem because Young people in particular were taking a lot of these. There was no, you know, it's not like getting a box of Panadol and it says take two every four hours. You didn't have any sort of instructions with them. You didn't know what was in them an awful lot of the time. And so there were people who were off their heads, for want of a better way of phrasing it. And there were incidences where people died. And there were coroners around. There was one girl, 19, in Kildare around that time who... um, took two different drugs from a head shop and the coroner at the inquest basically was making appeal. This has to stop. Somebody has to pull down the shutters on these place, places. And Mary Harney did, in fairness, do that in 2010. And Gardy raided dozens of these head shops straight after the new laws came in. The next day, the guards went out and basically hit all these head shops, confiscated a lot of these drugs. And those shops did um, close down quite quickly after that but it was five years later that we came to realise that the way all of that had been done wasn't exactly by the book. Yeah, uh, you mentioned actually the the Gardaí kind of moving in very quickly and, and tackling these, these head shops. We had um, something like I think 
only 36 surviving from that bout of knocking on the doors and making sure that they were closing up shop. 106 uh, head shops, 36 left, basically. Yeah, and there was a big pushback against them from the public. Obviously, they were doing good business. Uh, People were buying their products. But there was a lot of media attention around these. There There was documentaries done by RT and others. I was working in the Evening Herald myself at the time and we were relentlessly writing about them and what was going on and the type of products they were selling. And then at one point there was a vigilante element to this where there was actually a number of these shops in Dublin set on fire. Drug paraphernalia was strewn around and cars were damaged when a wall collapsed with the force of the blaze. Residents who had to be evacuated say they heard an explosion. I was just told a like a petrol tank blown up, you know, that type of thing. And initial, there was a flash, and then uh, you could hear the crackling of fire. It was getting very, very serious. I remember one, which uh, I can imagine was the front page of the Herald at the time, where I think it was on Cable Street, actually got burnt out. But when the fire brigade and the police went in to, eva- to you know, clear it out, they discovered a safe with half a million euro in it. So lots of people had lots of questions about what was going on, but there was money being made. And so, as you say, because of this ruling in 2010, that was subsequently deemed unconstitutional some five years later. The government basically legalised the likes of uh, ecstasy, ketamine, magic mushrooms for 24 hours. One night only. Yes, it was. So the legal bit, let's fly through that and skip on to the, the, the more tangible bit, which is what actually happened. There was a case taken by a guy who basically had been arrested and charged with supplying a substance known as Formec or Snowblow was the more common name for it at the time. He had basically challenged that in the Court of Appeal. So he'd gone all the way to the Court of Appeal to basically argue that the law brought in years previously hadn't been done properly, that it had been an executive order of the government. It hadn't actually been passed by the Dáil. So therefore, his argument was that it was unconstitutional. And the three-judge court unanimously actually agreed with him. So it was a technical point, but he was found to be right. And you can imagine in the Department of Health, the reaction to this was O-F-U-C-K, because they instantly realised that they had to draw up legislation. And anyone who's waiting for any bit of legislation takes months normally, if not years. It has to go through all sorts of scrutiny. It has to go back and forth between the Dáil, the Shannad, uh, Oireachtas committees. It happens really, really slowly. But these judges had just struck down this law, which basically meant that even if you went out and broke the law as it sat on the statute book, the likelihood is if you went to court, you used the same logic that this particular individual did did, and you get off. So for 24 hours, there was this panic in government. Enda Kenny was a Taoiseach at the time. The Minister for Health overseeing all of this, one Leo Varadkar, who was putting out statements basically saying, we know you can do this, but please, please don't think of your health. Uh, well, look, they're all, they're all different um, and they all have different effects. Um, uh, some, some are benzos, others are stimulants. Um, some are hallucinogenics, um, but uh, they all have um, very significant health risks that uh, outweigh any perceived recreational benefit, uh, in some cases um, leading to death and disability. And the story just took off because it took them effectively 24 hours to have the new laws come into place. And during that time, part of the problem was 
it was a lot of these head shop drugs that you've mentioned there with the weird names that people didn't really know what was in them that Mary Harney had banned. But they were done alongside an older law which included things better known like ecstasy, like ketamine that we had heard of and did know what they were. But because the law had fallen, even those drugs that we all think are are at the very extreme end, like ketamine is a pretty strong drug. Um, they all got legalized in the same it, yeah. in the same whack. So things like cocaine, cannabis, no. But you did have things like yolks, which was the big phrase at the time. Yeah, Twitter went absolutely mad on this globally. I mean, w- this story was being reported on networks across the world, America, you know, and other parts of Europe, because everyone was fascinated by this idea that for one night only, for 24 hours, we could legally take certain drugs. In Ireland, Ireland, a country that is is kind of synonymous with pretty strict rules on these uh, kind of things as well. Anyone who fancies a pipe load of crystal meth, uh, it's all legal in Ireland right now. And the London-based newsroom has even checked out Ryanair flights from London to Dublin, currently at 38.99 returns. So I think they're being a little bit tongue-in-cheek there. You can't really encourage people to be taking what should be illegal substances. (laughs) But take a look at what they did uh, in the independent, uh, in their graphics department. They were getting very creative, Uh, Melissa. That is indeed uh, the Irish flag with uh, colourful amphetamines being thrown into the mix. (laughs) A whole new way to encourage (laughs) tourism. There was also a very Irish solution to a very Irish problem here as well, Kevin, because uh, although we made certain drugs legal to buy and possess, it it was still illegal to sell them. Yeah, so really the drug dealer was the guy at risk. But you, if you were going out to buy them, were fine, which is a contradiction in terms. But let's be honest, I mean, there are long jail terms for drug dealers and they still go out and deal drugs. So they, that wasn't going to be their problem. They, they were delighted that they probably had a new market uh, for that particular night. And obviously we know that if people get on drugs, sometimes they like it and they go back for more. So from their point of view, it was, it, it, I don't think they really mattered. They really cared. Usually the law is more preventative to the people who are afraid of getting caught in possession of, of some of these things. I went back and looked through some of the headlines. It went everywhere. I mean, the Washington Post, an article in the Washington Post started with, book your plane tickets now, ecstasy, ketamine, and a ton of other drugs are now legal to possess in Ireland, but only until 12 a.m. on Thursday. It was in all the UK papers, as you can imagine, the, the, the London Independent actually ran its picture um, and it had three different tablets, green tablets, white tablets and orange tablets done together as a tricolour under the headline that Ireland has just accidentally legalised ecstasy, ketamine and magic mushrooms. It was embarrassing for the country, but as we so often do in Ireland, we don't get embarrassed easily. So we were kind of enjoying the weird notoriety that came with it. And I picked out one article, Siobhan, that I found in Vice, which was basically a reporter who wasn't Irish but was living here, um, describing being out that night in Dublin and being in a venue where people were taking uh, these drugs and making the point that it was that many, if not most of the people here are on pills because for tonight, by some merciful act of blue moon logic, the gods and Enda Kenny have made them legal. And it basically goes on to talk about people taking MDMA, 
um, yokes. Everyone just talking about yokes, yokes, yokes yeah, all yokes the time. Yeah, yokes was trending on, on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, it became known as Yokegate to some people. And it really was just the most bizarre instance and the government could do nothing about it because they had to get those new laws through. We had somebody selling ecstasy tablets on Dundeal here as well. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there was a. it was kind of before Twitter did have memes and things like that, but not at the level that they have now. We were probably a little bit more traditional. And yeah, there was... There was all these kind of secret events being advertised on Facebook for different bars and different venues of come here and you can take your tablets and no one will care. And yeah, on done deal, there was ecstasy pills going up for sale on the same night as the emergency legislation to close the loophole was being debated in the doll. So it was a real like, uh, you know, when you see those flash sales, um, sometimes the holiday companies have them up, you know, book now and your your trip to Ibiza will only be 200 euro or whatever. So it was that kind of thing. I was like, click now because when they're gone, they're gone. gone, And when the law has changed, uh, they'll definitely be gone from the internet. Um, But of course, that was illegal because you shouldn't, it was still illegal to sell them. um, But the buyer had no risk in buying them. So it was a very strange 24 hours. It really was, Kevin. And in all of this, you had the government behind the scenes scrambling. I would imagine running around like headless chickens trying to get some emergency legislation passed as soon as possible. Because you explained earlier, it takes quite a while to get these bills um, ushered in. Oh yeah, absolutely. This was frantic. But let's be honest, the politicians all came together on this. So a lot of what we see in Leinster House day in, day out is nitpicking. And even when an opposition party supports whatever the government are trying to to push through the doll, they'll still nitpick and they'll find Clause 7F. We're not happy with some particular word in that. That didn't really happen here. This was like everybody accepted. No, this has to happen and it has to happen now. So it was Leo Varadkar and the Department of Health who were uh, driving it through. Um, They did uh, and they they basically brought in new laws around the, the supply and use of psychoactive substances, which covered a whole load of different drugs and basically brought the whole thing back into line. And it was like the 24 hours never happened. Now, Kevin, you could be forgiven for thinking that this was a one-off, that absolutely no way we could make the same mistake twice. But uh, we did. Yes, we did, Siobhan. 1974, something very similar happened. And this is often forgot about. And I mean, obviously, it's it's before me or you were born, Siobhan. So we, we didn't experience this one. There was another legal ruling way back then that put cannabis, which was, you know, you didn't have the same amount of drugs on sale then. There, it was a, shall we call it a simpler time. Uh, but cannabis would have been one of the big drugs uh, that would have been illegally imported, bought and sold, and people would have used uh, as a as it still is, I guess. Uh, But back then, it would have been kind of one of the fewer options, we'll say. The situation developed, basically, whereby, again, a case was challenged. It was discovered that the laws being relied on in Ireland to ban cannabis, which dated all the way back uh, to the 1930s, well, there was a loophole in there. And I just think this, whatever about what happened in the, the bid to ban all these substances that the politicians themselves didn't really understand and there was a whole wave of, you know, you were banning bat salts in inverted commas. This particular case from the 1970s 
goes to show you the value of hiring a good lawyer because a barrister by the name of Robert P. Humphreys argued in a court case in the circuit court in in Dublin um, that his client who had been up on cannabis charges should be allowed off because the 1934 Act only mentioned female cannabis plants. And back then, obviously, science wasn't as as good as it is nowadays. It was taught at that time that the derivatives, the, the active ingredients in cannabis that I suppose makes you feel the effects of it, was only to be found in the female plants. And so the law made specific reference to that. But what this barrister, Mr. Humphreys, went into court and argued was, could the state prove that the plants in possession of his client were female And of course, the state could not prove that. And, and as a result, the case dropped. The, the court had to throw it out because the case, state's case couldn't be proven against this individual. The Independent ran the headline the next day, Loophole Allows Cannabis. Uh, and it reported that last night, cannabis resin was being openly smoked in at least one Dublin licensed premises after the judgment became known. There was a string of cases that were impacted directly by that because obviously anybody else facing cannabis possession charges in the courts was going to run straight to their lawyer and go, have you seen this precedent that's now been set? Uh, And it caused a bit of consternation in the doll because as you can imagine, um, it, it, uh, it came out of nowhere again. There was claims that it was going to be a field day for drug pushers unless there was something done fast and at one point there was uh, the Minister for Health then was a guy called Brendan Corish and he was asked uh, by a Fianna Fáil TD Noel Damas could the Minister give us any details on the sex life of the male and female plants and that's where that debate was going all the way back then so it 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 has happened twice. Lightning has struck twice in this. I'll give you one last story on the 1974 oh, one. Yeah. Because this is kind of my, my favourite point in this whole story. There was a strange postscript to that particular one because exactly one week after the doll did bring in new legislation um, on this, Gardaí seized one of the biggest quantities at the time. Um, it would probably seem like small amount now of cannabis resin, which was a £20,000. Now, £20,000 in the 1970s. That's a lot of money. That was a lot of money uh, back then. So this was a particularly big, well, it was the biggest ever the Guardian had had at the time. And But according to a report from the Evening Herald, um, the drugs had been due to arrive in Dublin the previous week, right in the middle of what was the legal period. So this legal period had gone on, on more than 24 hours. But the suitcase got stuck in London for a week because of a strike. And so when it eventually came, it sat in the unclaimed luggage area in Dublin Airport for three days until the custom officers actually checked to see what inside was inside. Um, and as a, well, as a result, somebody was £20,000 out of pocket for the drugs that they thought they were legally importing the week previous. And of course, the debate continues to this day on whether certain drugs should be legalised or not in the wider context of, uh, I guess, medical help for people. Yeah, I mean, the cannabis debate is, it comes and goes from the doll and it moves very slowly. And there are lots of TDs like Gino Kenny and others who believe that, yeah, it should be allowed for medicinal purposes, that your doctor effectively should be able to prescribe it for you, particularly for patients who suffer from pain. Um, that the government, I think, are very slow to move on that. I don't see that they're they're going to to 
to get there anytime quickly. I'd be surprised, let's put it, if this government got to the point of legalising it in that way. But that debate continues. Um, and I believe the existing legislation is out of date and out of time. And we need a different narrative in relation to drug reform. Uh, because criminalising people for small possessions of any drug uh, particularly cannabis, is a complete waste of time. What's different here, I suppose, cannabis was one thing. It's nowadays, it's seen as a, a softer drug. Whether you agree with that or not, that's the way it's perceived. And it is perceived in many countries to have medical benefits. Um, but what happened with the head shops was on a whole different level. And it happened by accident. I don't think uh, the government nowadays will be letting anything happen by accident in that sense. And my thanks to Kevin Doyle there, Group Head of News at Media House Ireland. I'm Siobhan McGuire and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by myself, researched by Tabitha Monaghan, with sound by Dara Kelly. Archive clips from RTE, Newstalk, CNBC, Euronews, France 24, CNN, Sky News and Independent.ie. And if you've been affected by any of the content in today's podcast, we have a list of helplines at independent.ie forward slash helplines. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.